According to the Mayo Clinic, miscarriage is the spontaneous loss of a pregnancy before the 20th week. About 10 to 20% of known pregnancies end in miscarriage, but the actual number is likely higher because many miscarriages occur so early in pregnancy that a woman doesn't realize she's pregnant. The Miscarriage Association says that if you were rejoicing over a positive pregnancy test just weeks or months ago, coping with a sudden and unexpected miscarriage can be difficult. Even though you never saw your baby, except, perhaps, on ultrasound, you knew that he or she was growing inside you, and you may have formed a bond. You may have daydreamed about your baby and imagined yourself as a mother. And then, all the excitement abruptly came to a stop. Understandably, you may feel a range of emotions, sad and disheartened over the loss, angry and resentful it happened to you, and possibly withdrawn from friends and family, especially those who are pregnant or just had babies. You may have trouble eating and sleeping at first and accepting the finality of it all. You may cry a lot or you may not cry at all. These are all among the many natural, healthy responses to a pregnancy loss. Remember this. Your reaction is what's normal to you. Welcome to another episode of the Lavender Fix Podcast. I'm your host, Sabrine Hazik, and today I have with me Michelle Crastens from Dallas, Texas. A social media sensation with 4.1 million real plays on Instagram, a full-time working mom to Wells, and a business owner at Bub and Babe. Michelle had a long and arduous journey from 2018 to 2019, where she miscarried twice once naturally, delivering the placenta at home, and once through a dilation and curettage, which is also called a DNC procedure, to remove tissue from inside the uterus. Goes without saying that it was a roller coaster of emotional highs and almighty lows, leading to the eventual birth of her healthy baby boy Wells in 2020. Having said that, Michelle's delivery was a near-death experience that took a toll on her emotionally, physically, and mentally. In this episode, we chat with Michelle about how she coped with her miscarriages, what helped her get pregnant again, and why she had a daunting birth experience despite a healthy pregnancy. Let's learn from Michelle's uncommon display of resilience. 
Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining me today. How's it going? Hi, I'm, it's going good. Thank you so much for having me and inviting me on. Yeah, thank you for agreeing to share your journey because, um, you know, I've heard several um, listeners write to me and say that they would love to hear something on this specific topic, you know, miscarriages. Um, and so here we are. So thank you again. And, uh, um, you know, I wanted to start off by saying that miscarriage is a very hush-hush topic. There is a lot of stigma around it. Um, not everyone know, knows how to approach the topic. Um, is it something that should be talked about? Is it something that shouldn't be talked about because it's a personal private experience? Um, but you are a change agent for us because you're here to talk about your personal experience so others can learn from your resilience. And so thank you for helping us reach a larger community of women who may benefit from this information. Um, and before we start off this discussion in full swing, I had a simple question for you, which is, when did you and your husband decide you wanted kids? You know, it's something that we've always wanted. Um, that was a conversation we had from the very beginning of dating. Mm. You know, um, we wanted to make sure we were with someone that wanted the same thing, and you know, as far as our future, having kids. Um, but we decided in Spain, actually, in 2017, that we were what we thought, quote unquote, ready, mm. ready if it were to happen, um, not necessarily tracking or trying, but just mm -hmm. okay with if we get pregnant, then what a blessing. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's kind of when it started, but without tracking. Right. I love how you said, but without tracking. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> because there is a method to it and people don't necessarily understand that. But yeah, I mean, it's a full thing. So what was your response to finding out you were pregnant the first time? <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to be completely honest. Yeah. I thought it was easy. We were mm -hmm. like, wow, this is way easier than what we thought. We thought that maybe it would take a while to get pregnant. We thought maybe we would have issues getting pregnant because you hear of that, you know, and you think, well, that's probably going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, you know, we didn't realize what our journey would be. But I remember telling my husband um, that we were pregnant and, you know, I did it in a cute little way. He comes home, mm -hmm. I had a little onesie I made, oh. um, you know, saying baby Craston's coming oh, 20. I mean, I did the whole thing. And his response was, that was easy. Oh, my gosh. You know, we were like, oh, my gosh. But we had no idea what yeah. was, you know, going to happen. Yeah. I think that's really cute that you did that. And I love his <laughs> response um, because yeah. it's it's right. You know, sometimes people who are trying to have babies, they, they give themselves a timeline that to say that, okay, if I start trying now, probably six months down the line, I'll be pregnant. But mm -hmm. they don't really expect to get pregnant right away. And they're like, oh, well, great. This just happened. Yeah. And now my entire <laughs> timeline has effectively yes. completely derailed yes. my original plans, um, which yes. is not always a bad problem to have. But so typically right. you find out you're pregnant through a home test. You later go into the doctor's office to confirm the pregnancy and get all the required blood work done, etc. So how did all that go? Yeah, so, you know, I took a couple home pregnancy tests before, um, 
before even telling my husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was even a couple of days before my missed period. I was just like, okay, well, we tried this month. Let me just take the test. And they came out positive. And then I took a couple more and came out positive. So we actually waited just, um, I think that was over the weekend. So we waited a couple of days. And the first day of my missed period, I took another test, mm-hmm. still positive. So I had no idea what to do. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey, we have this plan of let's get pregnant. But then once we get pregnant, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And so I called my doctor um, at the time and I let them know, you know, I have a positive pregnancy test. I would like to come in and just do blood work, make sure everything is where it needs to be at this stage. Mm. And of course, they had me in that day and you take your original blood work to see kind of how far along you are based on your numbers of your HCG. And um, mine showed early pregnancy and they wanted me to come in uh, 48 hours later to make sure they were doubling. So we did that. Mm -hmm. And so what did they, after they took the blood work and of course they confirmed the pregnancy and they said, oh my God, yes, this is happening. Mm -hmm. Um, But then... They took your blood work and everything looked fine. So the first blood work that they compared, they said either something is up, you know, we don't Mm -hmm. quite pin it yet or you're just very early. Okay. And so um, I told them, I was like, listen, I went in the day, like it was the day of my missed period. So I would be four weeks along. I'm extremely early. Of course, I'll come in and compare numbers again but I don't want this to be necessarily dismissed as like, okay, it's not going to happen because I think it's just really early. Mm-hmm. And so we went in again, got more blood work. And at that point, my blood work had doubled the way it needed to. Mm-hmm. So they thought, you know what, it's it's starting to look much better. So then, of course, we're optimistic. We're thinking, okay, this is great. And I was now about five weeks and my doctor said, okay, I'm going to have you go in for a sonogram keep in mind, you are very early. We are going to see very minimal stuff in the sonogram. Mm. You're not going to see, you know, uh, uh, most likely a baby with a heartbeat or anything like that. You're going to see the beginning of the formation of everything. So Mm. we were prepared in that sense to not necessarily be disappointed from what we see or don't see. Mm -hmm. Um, So we did go in, we went in for the first sonogram. And at that moment, we saw what we needed to see for how far along I was. Okay. But there was no sort of, there was no commentary on whether or not it was a viable pregnancy. It was just at a very benign stage, you went in and they told you not to expect a heartbeat or anything because you weren't too far along. But they did tell you, they did tell you that something was slightly off with your blood work and that it needed to be monitored. Correct. And so we, because we were so early, they wanted us to come in the following week for another sonogram. Okay. And so um, we went in the following week for the second sonogram and they were saying, you know, we should be seeing more. We should be seeing, you know, um, a heartbeat by now. Um, You're about six to seven weeks. It's still early. You may not see a heartbeat at six to seven weeks. And through my research, um, I found, you know, there's women that go in at eight weeks and still don't necessarily see that because their cycles are just, 
different. They're off. They're yeah. different. And I had never tracked my cycle before. So this is the first time I knew this is when I ovulated. So I was able to give them that information. Mm-hmm. But it turned out I ovulate later than most women. So that means my pregnancy would actually be a little earlier on than most women. So we mm-hmm. were we were just so um, confused yeah, as to where the baby should be growth wise, you know. And so it was so hard to say, no, it's not viable yet. Or yes, it is. So we had a third sonogram oh, wow. um, about two weeks later. Yes. And then um, that would be around eight weeks. And so that is when my the first doctor had told me, no, it, it's not going to happen. So walk me through the actual conversation. Like how, what was the delivery like? Did they, you know, they obviously knew this was your first pregnancy. Um, yes. And it's a shock to the system. Because for you, it's very physiological. Um, so what what happened for them to say that it wasn't viable? Was this in the middle of your scan? Did the mood in the room shift? What happened? Um, so when you're in the scan, in this particular one, I went to... Uh, my doctor at the time didn't have imaging in her office. Mm. Um, some, do- some doctors just don't have that. Most doctors don't. Um, so you, I went to a separate imaging center and those, um, sonographers are not allowed to tell you anything. Mm-hmm. So they have to type up what they see. They type up the measurements and they send it to the doctor for you to go there and mm-hmm. they Get relay the, the message to you. I knew something was wrong. Um, because when I was in there, unfortunately my husband couldn't make it to that appointment. He was on his way mm-hmm. and they called me back and I was like, you know what? I'm sure, I'm sure everything's fine. I, I mean, I can't tell them I can't go back there yet. Yeah. And so I, I went there and, um, I don't know if the sonographer was particularly new or, or what she was, um, similar, similar age. And I just saw her turn the screen away And unfortunately, when she turns the screen away, it lights up her face because now it's like really pointed at her Uh and I could see that she actually had tears in her eyes. Oh, no. So. Oh, so this is very clear. Yeah, that's when I knew. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know how I held it together. Yeah, it was almost I have this thing where. I have to make sure everyone else is okay. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wish sometimes that it, it wouldn't be that way. Yeah. Yeah. But I would just let myself feel what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I would kind of together so that she would hold it together. <laughs> yeah. But you could tell right away that even though she wasn't allowed to tell you mm-hmm. what was happening, that her face kind of gave it away. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and so I just held it together. I left. And when I went into my car, that's actually right. When my husband pulled up and he rolls the window down, I, I rolled my window down. Um, and he was just like, what happened? Are you okay? And I just said, it, it's, it's not going to happen. And I just cried in my car. And he got out, came in my car and kind of just grieved together. And so, I mean... Obviously, this sonographer is not really supposed to give you the results up front, which means that they, yes, you know, you could pretty much tell by looking at their face that something was wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, But then in terms of verbal confirmation, 
was this before did you have this was this before you went back in to see the doctor so this was before and then you have to wait until they you know give the information to the doctor to 100% confirm uh-huh it's no longer a viable pregnancy so i i want to say it was like 2 days later that they had my appointment scheduled mm. and so i'm sitting there thinking i know what's happening but at the same time you have that hope of well i'm not a doctor technically the sonographer you know um isn't my doctor either maybe there's still a chance maybe the measurements come back and they they have good news for us mm-hmm. so i still have hope um and then i go into the doctor's office and i'm you know sitting on the on the table or whatever that is yeah yeah and and she walks in and she instantly just goes to the corner of the room arms crossed just puts like the folder on on the table doesn't really show me anything and she's like well um it's not a viable pregnancy and i was just like okay, kind of trying to process that this mm-hmm. is coming out of her mouth and this is my first pregnancy mm-hmm. i don't know what's supposed to be going on this is all so new to me right and never did i expect this to be our first experience um and she said so we're going to go ahead this was a friday um we're going to go ahead and schedule your dnc for monday and i had never heard the words dnc, DNC. i had no idea what that is um and i was like okay is this like another sonogram like and she says um we're going to schedule it for monday and i was like hold on what what is a dnc um and she's like oh it's a surgery where i go in with a um a scraper that is shaped like a spoon and i scrape out the tissue and i was like oh okay and she's like so we're going to you know go in we'll go through it it's um a common process and we discard of what is inside the uterus. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, okay, you know you're talking about my pregnancy, my baby. Yeah. yeah. It's a thing to discard. I just, you know, the number of women I've spoken with and recorded episodes with that haven't been yet released, but I think I've heard this at least once. Yeah. That at least one woman has 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 had an experience where the delivery from the medical staff has just been and you know interestingly i was recording this episode with um a really good friend her name is becca and um you know for her you know it was the case of a stillbirth unfortunately um which is another really painful experience right and so even for her she she shared something very similar that i think for them it's so routine Yeah. Uh, it's a routine and so they do so many of these every day every week that right. it's very clinical and they don't realize that yes but the other like you didn't even know what a dnc was mm-hmm. right? right so yeah and of course the verbiage you know discard and i just don't think that they're thinking with this they're looking That's at it from the cold. same lens exactly exactly so all right so if i'm if i'm understanding this correctly you had your sonogram your third sonogram the technician's face kind of gave it away but you still did not know if this wasn't a viable pregnancy um from your doctor but you know you kind of you sensed that something was wrong and then you went in for this appointment and they confirmed that it was in fact not a viable pregnancy correct yes okay 
So did you respond? Did you have a response to the cold delivery uh, with you know the whole it, DNC it, comment? You know, um, after I'd asked her, I was just processing everything, and you know these words, you almost it's almost like you're hearing a ringing in your ear. You mm. you and you only hear certain words, and it's just it's so hard to grasp what is going on. Um, mm. And so I'm sitting there. I. I have tears just coming down because I'm trying to process what is going on. And as she's saying this, she's opening the door. I have tears. She walk, She's like walking out, waiting for me to follow her. Oh, my God. Um, you know, saying we're going to schedule this. And so I'm literally wiping like tears off of my face as I'm walking out to the lobby to schedule this surgery that I didn't even know existed, you know. Yeah. And so um, I, I did. I was walking through and then I in the middle of me walking toward the the little station where you schedule the DNC. I'm sh- Oops. Did I lose you? Can you hear me? I can hear you now. I can hear you. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I stopped and I said, no, I'm, I'm sure, you know, this is correct. And, and this is the route that we're going to probably have to take. But I need a second opinion. Right. I need to make sure that this is not viable 100% before I go into a surgery, you know, to, to, yeah. in her words, to scarred, you know. Mm. Um, so we, I stopped the, the scheduling and I looked for a second opinion. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what happened at the other um, appointment? You know, was it any different than the first one? The the result was not different, but the delivery, the just the feeling of that office was completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, we we had a sonographer who um, was in office, had been working with the doctor for a very long time, mm-hmm. and my husband was with me at that appointment, and she gave us you know the same information. She wasn't allowed to necessarily say that it wasn't viable, but she did give us more information as far as like what was on the sonogram and typically what people see at, you know, certain stages. And so we knew that, that the result was the same. Mm -hmm. Um, And I went back into the doctor's office and this doctor was just completely different. She, you know, came up to me. She, this is the first time meeting her and she hugged me and she said she was so sorry Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that I would stick with her because, you know, she said, we're going to, and the word she was using, you know, we're going to get through this. We're going to get you pregnant. We're, it's going to happen. We just need to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, more, more empathetic, more understanding, absolutely. which is what you need. You need to be validated in that moment. Right. right. Even if someone's delivering news, you don't want to hear uh, so what happened, you know, did you then decide since she confirmed that it was not a viable pregnancy and I'm assuming things have to be done pretty quickly after that, um, because it's not safe for the mother, right? Right. So did you end up scheduling a DNC then? So we were, um, at this point, my body was what would be about nine weeks mm-hmm. along. Mm-hmm. And my hormones 
oddly enough, were still rising, which was what was so confusing is that, you know, the pregnancy was no longer viable in my uterus, but my hormones were still that of nine weeks and it continued on to 10 weeks and 11 weeks. So we were, were given the option to do the DNC or to try to have it at home, um, the, the miscarriage to labor at home. And so I went through the two different options and, um, we looked at it even financially. Mm-hmm. We had of course. we had to compare, um, and of course, my husband was like, "Don't even look at that; it doesn't matter." But to me, and I think it's because it was happening to me. If it were to happen to anyone else, I would say the same thing. I said, "Don't look at that; it doesn't matter. Whatever you want to do, whatever is best for you, do it." But because it was for me, <laughs> yeah. I I felt guilt. I guess you know, having to use the amount of money that would be the same as deliver what was the same that delivered my son it was the exact same cost to have a dnc i think that is insanity it is just so sad that that's the reality for so many mothers yeah i mean you're already going through something and on top of that they slap a fat bill yes and when I called the hospital to, you know, get like the financial plan and see what was going on, you know, they're like, yeah, and um, 2000 would be due the day of the surgery. And I'm like, that's in a week. How am I supposed to come up with just $2,000, you know? Yeah. And so I just, it, the financial part and not only that, after the surgery, you know, I still will get um, bills for certain things that happened during our miscarriage mm-hmm. and it like when I open that mail it just takes you back you know yeah. um, but that's the reality of it you, you just things you have to do and the second reasoning why I, I decided to go with natural was because I didn't know what it would be like mm-hmm. I thought that it would be a period like a very very strong heavy period yeah. that's what I've been told by you know certain certain people like of course online the research you do yeah but that's insane and so I thought you know what we'll just do that we'll let it happen naturally and I asked my doctor well can you tell when it's going to happen by the sonogram um you can see the sac was starting to lose its shape now um through the sonogram but she wasn't able to tell me oh you know it's going to happen in a week or two weeks there was no definite answer mm-hmm. of course you know if a couple weeks pass and nothing has happened then we would have to go in and, and do a dnc because mm-hmm. it is risky you, right, you can't right, of course it, it can yeah it can cause infection it can cause cancer i mean there's so many things that can happen if you are not taken care of so we chose natural at home and we waited so when did it finally happen and what was it like? So when we were now 11 weeks, again, um, my body thought it was 11 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing had happened. I had, didn't have spotting. I didn't have anything. And I had been at home every day just falling into this black hole of just depression And we had my cousin's wedding coming up and I thought to myself, that's it. I need to do something. I, I am going to go into this depression if I don't do something for myself, for Mm -hmm. my family, just a moment of not thinking about what's going on in my body. And so we went to the wedding and it was a black tie wedding. We got dressed up 
and I was there and I felt just this immense pain and I went to the restroom and thankfully I had a pad um, but there was blood and I, I couldn't stop the bleeding it was just it just started bleeding um, with the pad on I had um, one of the, the pain medications that my doctor gave me which you know, it's, it's just a pill that's as strong as they can give you. Um, and you could just, you still felt everything. And Mm -hmm. luckily I was wearing a long dress and it was a darker dress, but, um, I told my husband, I told my family, we have to go. They knew what was going on. I didn't even have to explain. I said, we have to go now. And my husband's literally like holding me as we're walking through a crowd of wedding guests. I'm trying, you know, again, not to show I'm just holding, smiling, walking downstairs, yeah. and we're sitting there waiting for our our valet, you know, the car to come around, and I can just feel blood just coming out, coming out, coming out, and I'm just like holding my dress against me and just praying that this stupid car would get here as soon as possible, mm-hmm. and that's when the delivery of everything just started. Once I sat in the car, I just... I just started bleeding and clots were coming out and, and my husband, I was just, I was trying to be calm, but at the same time I was just telling him, I need you to drive faster. I need you to get home and I'm contracting. It was just so much pain. And this is not like a period then. This is basically, you know, with period, with a period, you can tell when, it's happening, right? Like, you know that, oh, okay, you sneeze and you bleed. Like, that's just, right. you right. know, it's that sort of a thing, yeah. right? It's like, whoa, Niagara Falls. And then it stops. Yeah. And then it happens yeah. again a few times during the day. But this was continuous bleeding is what you're yeah. saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know every miscarriage, every pregnancy is different. You know, there's some with my son, I actually had a little bit of of spotting. So with a pregnancy, I don't want to say, oh, you're spotting, something's going to happen. Spotting can be perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Um, however, in this case, yeah, I, I went to the restroom and when I wiped, I saw a little bit of blood and I was like, okay. And then I almost kind of like what you said, you sneeze or you like push a little bit and, and yeah. you can feel like blood come out. So initially I like push, was like, okay, is this it? And then it was like, as if a a tap opened you know it's just here you go and I see and it was a lot of blood and then you know clotting started mm-hmm. so talk to me about the moment it happened I mean obviously it was a process and it started right um but talk to me about the moment you delivered the placenta because you know what was your state at the time could you tell right away that that was the placenta was it confusing and how long did the whole process take i didn't even think about the placenta at the moment you know i didn't think i didn't realize that you deliver a placenta with the mm-hmm. miscarriage and of course you do you know because it's all a part of what's going on in pregnancy um and some women maybe um if you're very early on maybe they don't deliver the placenta if it hasn't formed yet but with me i think what was happening was that the pregnancy like i said the hormones were still developing so i think my placenta was actually still developing 
mm-hmm. within my body. So yeah, I, um, it was about 24 hours after everything started, which was another thing I didn't realize. I thought maybe a miscarriage was a couple hours and then you're done. Mm-hmm. This was 24 hours and I was still having clots just oh come out, gosh. come out. Um, I was to the point where I was in bed and I was in the fetal position, my face in a pillow screaming because I was having contractions. It was literally late. I was laboring and um, I looked online. I was a part of some support groups and I was like, I don't know what else to do. I'm in so much pain. Do I need to go to the hospital? Like, what do I do? And someone suggested to go into the bathtub, have it as hot as I could stand it and just let my back relax. Mm-hmm. And so and let the contractions relax. And so I went into the bathtub and I'm sitting there alone. I didn't want anyone in there with me. I didn't want my husband in there. I didn't want my family. I just my I just wanted to be by myself. And I felt just this pressure. Um and I felt pressure to push. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I pushed and then it was like a a relief afterwards. And I thought, okay, what like why did it feel almost like a a delivery you know why did it feel like that and I look down and of course you know the the bathtub is just full of water and blood and it was very traumatic but I saw this object in the tub and it was the size of my fist I mean if not a little bit bigger and I thought did that just come out of me like that literally was something I thought did that come out of me or was Mm -hmm. it already here like what is this um and I reached down and I, I mean, I picked it up, obviously. Yeah, of course. And I was like, this is like a solid, hard mass. And then it just clicked. I was like, this is my placenta. Like I just delivered the end of the pregnancy. I delivered my placenta and my pain kind of just started to slowly ease. Right. And I essentially, yeah, I labored and delivered in my bathtub at my apartment by myself Oh, my gosh. It's confusing, you know? I mean, you're, like you said, you were like, was this already here? Did this come out of me? You know, people don't know what to expect and not enough people talk about it. Yeah, I I had no idea. Yeah. So did you have to go for a follow-up checkup after that um, experience? Yes, I did. Um, I let my doctor know that we had... Um, I guess the process had hopefully finished and, um, that week I went into the doctor, they did a sonogram again, another sonogram. Mm -hmm. I cannot tell you how many sonograms I've had and, um, they confirmed, you know, the sac was no longer there. Placenta, everything was, um, no longer there. So we knew that it was a, a complete miscarriage, meaning, um, there was no risk of infection anymore. Mm-hmm. Everything looked good, essentially. And they also look at your uterine lining to make sure um, that everything's that, fine, that everything's okay there. And that's essentially what like a lot of the clotting is, is the lining of your uterus. Um, similar to, you know, when you have, yeah, a period. you have a period, right? That, right. Of course. Yeah. So at this point, I mean, you know, an experience like that can throw you into a disarray to the point where you're like, oh my God, I am not doing this for a while. Yeah. 
right yeah. and i remember you had told me that the doctor told you to wait a few months before trying to get pregnant again were you looking to get pregnant right away or were you sort of did you throw your hands up in the air and say this is not happening for a while with this miscarriage um i had mixed feelings so you know some doctors say oh you're fine you can you can try next month to get pregnant and then some doctors will say you need to wait 3 months just so your body gets regulated hormones all of that um my doctor particularly wanted us to wait you know 2 months so that my hormones would go back to zero and that's something we also had to monitor i had to go in for blood work every week um to monitor my hcg mm-hmm. until it went zero and then essentially right when it was at back to zero i had my regular periods again but that's something that i felt exhausted from so sure, i of kind of did want to but at the same time in the back of my head i thought well what if we can't have mm-hmm. kids what if i can't get pregnant again so you almost have that in your mind where you're like you need to make sure you can and so i did want to start once we were cleared i wanted to make sure that my body could do it um but i looking back i don't think that necessarily was the healthiest thing for me mentally either of course yeah we put too much pressure on ourselves um and instead of thinking that you know this was a really traumatic experience but it may in some ways help me figure out if something mm-hmm. is wrong you know so i can get the medical help i need to fix it so i can have a healthy pregnancy even if it means we have right. to wait longer right i think i hear that a lot from uh first time mothers and mothers or you know women who are trying to get pregnant so what happened next did you end up getting pregnant again yes so again we <laughs> we tried after the second month and that third month coming up i had a positive pregnancy test mm-hmm. we thought how is like how did we get pregnant you know essentially the first time the first time and then we tried again and it happened for us again and so we thought oh my gosh like we just maybe we're just lucky <laughs> you yeah. know yeah. maybe it, it, it's a blessing we're pregnant again but i also didn't connect or i tried not to connect with this pregnancy because i told myself you know you're going to go in that sonogram and they could give you bad news it could mm-hmm. be great news but it could be bad news yeah so i talked about this pregnancy we would say if it works out oh you know can you imagine if we go into the sonogram and we see you know a little heartbeat you know if everything's okay if it works out it was always a if 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 we never we never let that go mhm and did your family know that you were pregnant or did you keep that information from them the second pregnancy we actually kept okay yeah makes sense because you want yeah, we, peace mhm and we didn't want to excite them again with the first pregnancy we told them we did you know a cute little thing um and we let them know you know we're we're still really really early we don't know what's going to happen but we were all just excited we just didn't imagine what would happen mm-hmm. um in the second one i was the opposite i I didn't want to I didn't imagine that it would be good, you know? So we just kept it to ourselves and when we found out that it was also not viable, um I had my husband he w- he contacted our family, his family, let them know what was going on and I asked him to tell them not 
not to reach out to me about it. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle at that moment. I was kind of angry and upset that I didn't want to hear it's going to be okay. Right, right, right. You'll get pregnant again. Like I just, and as the, you know, that's just people or my family trying to be loving and encouraging, but I just, I didn't want to hear it's going to happen for you guys because we didn't know if it would. So sometimes the overly optimistic made me more upset. Mm -hmm. So yeah, sure. I mean, you need your time. You need time to process it because you need closure and no, it's not okay. It's not okay because you lost a baby, right? Right. So tell me if you could um, rewind a little bit. And, you know, you said that the second pregnancy was also not viable. Mm -hmm. Tell me what happened for you to get that confirmation. Did you go in for a scan? And what happened this time? Yes. So our blood work, again, looked fine, which was just mind boggling. So something's going on. We don't know. If it was, you know, genetically what's going on, but my blood work was fine. The sonogram again, um, we went in and it was this, our, our sonographer we had for the first time um, that was in office. And, you know, she just was quiet. And I know when you're quiet in the sonogram room, it's not necessarily good. Mm-hmm. And so I just looked my husband he was the one looking at the screen and he was quiet too and I didn't even look I just I and a part of me wishes I would have yeah but I couldn't um so our sonographers you know I asked her is is it the same is it happening again mm-hmm. and she just looked at me and she nodded she said, I'm going to give you guys a minute. I'll let you get dressed and you can go, go see, you know, your doctor and she'll, she'll let you know what, what's going to be going on. So we did. It was the same thing. Um, and at that point she told us, you know, y'all are, you're both healthy. You're both, you know, young. We don't know what's going on. Um, this shouldn't be happening. And she said, you know, it's not okay. And so I asked her, can we, my first question was, I, we need to do testing. I need to know what's going on with my body. Of I just course. felt broken. Yeah. Um, and typically, Take your time. Take your time. Thank you. <laughs> this is not an easy experience to talk about. And this is exactly why I feel like I don't know how you find the courage to talk about it, but I'm so grateful that you are. Thank you. Because there are women out there who need it. I needed it, you know. You know, this is... But yeah. um, I asked for testing. Right. And I know typically, and I read... That doctors wait for three miscarriages before testing. Most doctors think the first one, it's common. The yeah. second one, you know, doesn't really happen, but it could. The third one, something's going on. And something told me in my gut, something is up. Of course, like, it's I your body. Know, yeah. Yeah, I know something is wrong. And my doctor, I was expecting to have to, 
you know, fight a little bit or argue or beg. And she said, I already ordered all the testing where you're going straight there and they're going to take your, your blood and we're going to find out what's going on. And that's how I knew I chose the right doctor because she was already proactive. Yeah, proactive. She was invested in what was going on. We needed to find out the issue. And um, we did. Yeah. And what was your husband's, you know, response to you guys being told for the second time that, you know, you had miscarried? So in the office, you know, he's not a very emotional person. He kind of carried. Yeah, yeah, I get it. one um and so this whole time he's he was great um but I could tell that obviously you know and he would say that he's upset he handles things way differently than me I will in, in this situation I would just lay in bed dark didn't want to talk to anybody and he was needing to be doing something he Mm -hmm. went to the garage he went and was busy and we've had conversations where i was like how can you not show me that you're you're feeling this way and he's like i can't sit there and and let it consume me i have that's the way i deal with things is i go and i don't think about it i'm busy and that's something i've seen so many times between husbands and wives where the wives think that it's not affecting the husband because they're Mm -hmm. not you know, showing all of this emotion yeah. when in reality, it, I mean, it is, but they, they, I don't want to speak for everybody, but for the most part, they handle things differently where they're taking their, their sadness or anger elsewhere. Out elsewhere. Right. You know. So the second time you're told that it's not a viable pregnancy, it's of course a shock to your system. Because I think one of the things, especially women, end up doing is, I'm broken. Something's wrong with me. My body is doing this. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, and it's, I understand that, like, it's a very natural response. I don't think that it's not valid to feel that way. But there's no truth in that, of course. But you have to allow yourself to feel that way, if that's what you're feeling. So... The second time around, you know, again, you had already been through the experience um, of, you know, delivering the placenta at home. Naturally, you knew what it was like. What what happened next? Did you have to again do the same thing or did you have to go in for a DNC? So the second time my doctor gave us the, the two same options. And. I thought to myself, you know, do I do the DNC and just get it over with? Um, or again, I've, I kind of thought I've already done it before. As traumatic as it is, I, I made it through. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can just do it again and just be at home. Um, and so I, I chose to do it naturally again, but I chose not to wait as long. Um, the first time I let my body begin the process naturally and the second time I asked for um, the medication to help me contract and start the process at home and so we did that um, and it's such a weird feeling to prepare to do that I ordered the adult diapers I ordered the pads I ordered extra 
tissue paper. I ordered, I made sure that we had enough trash bags because the first time, you know, we had to go get trash bags. We had to go get the diapers. We had to go, I had to send my husband to go get everything because I was not prepared. Of course. It, it was such a weird feeling to be like, okay, well, I, I think I know what's going to happen. And you go get everything. It's like you're preparing for something so morbid. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And my husband went out and, you know, tried to get me my favorite, you know, snacks so that we could be at home together while I take the medication and just yeah. try to feel a little bit better. Um, and even though I was expecting it, it, it didn't make it easier emotionally. Right. You know, it just, it's, it's, it was the same process. Right. Like medication, the contractions began. I started bleeding a little bit. Um, I had, you know, smaller clots. And so I thought, okay, here we go. It's going to happen. And that's it. Nothing, nothing else. I was just in a lot of pain, but the bleeding didn't continue. I mean, I had period like bleeding, but not the way with the first one. There wasn't the amount of blood. There wasn't the amount of clots. Time. And, and so, yeah, I knew that something wasn't right. You know, maybe the medication wasn't working. The medication also made me extremely nauseous um so a couple hours after taking it i mean i was just throwing up and so i thought maybe i just threw up the medicine and it just didn't work um so a week later we had to, i went back to the doctor we did another sonogram and we saw that you know the pregnancy was still in my uterus so we had to she gave me the option of the dnc or we can do one more round of medication and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was like, well, we're already trying the medication. Let's try one more time um, and go from there. And so we did the same thing. It's like, gosh, I'm preparing again. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just so exhausting. And I did it. And the same thing, I would bleed and bleed, but nowhere near as much as where I did with my first one. And I thought, you know, well, every pregnancy is different. Every Every child is different. Maybe this is just different. Maybe I'm just not going to bleed as much. Maybe this is an experience that everyone else has that they don't necessarily think it's a you know the the amount of bleeding that it was for me the first mm -hmm. time. And um, and you had something to compare it with, right? Right. And we went back to the doctor, and it it was an incomplete miscarriage, meaning mm -hmm. you know the not everything had come out, right? And thought to myself, I can't even do that right. You know, oh like. Oh, my God. It's no. Just, what else? That breaks my heart. But those, those were the feelings. You know, yeah. you just can't help but feel. I do certain. not, like, oh, my God. Yeah, I wish I wish I was there. I wish I was, oh, my God. I would have just held you and said to you, this is not you. Because I know that that's what you needed. And I know that even though this is not an experience I've had, that I, you know, I mean, as women, we share certain feelings. We share right. certain, if you're on your period, I know exactly what you need, you know. And so it's one of those feelings where you know exactly what the other person needs, even if it's not something you're experiencing. And I think it's beautiful, you know, for us to, and it, that's exactly why we need a community. Right. Right. And, you know, I... I'm very, you know, open about it, but when you're in the depth of it, when you're going mm -hmm. through it, I know if I would have called 
my sister and let her know this is what I'm feeling, this is what I'm thinking, or my mom, someone, I know that they would have been over there in a second. But I was just, I was so private about what was going on also because I didn't know anyone that has gone through this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, didn't know any friends. I didn't know any family members. I knew no one that right. had experienced this. Yeah. And so I was like, who's going to help me? Mm -hmm. So, and my poor husband, like he tried as hard as he could, yeah. but he's yeah. not, not a woman. He doesn't understand. He doesn't get it. Yeah. And I body. think it's different for men. And I feel, I sometimes <laughs> really feel like people assume that they're not going through it, but they are. It's just, they are. It's not physical for them, so they, and they feel helpless. So what? What I I know for a fact that you went in, you eventually had to. The medicine didn't work the second time. You had to finally give in to the whole DNC procedure. Yes. Right. So, I know that you particularly had a moment when you were at the hospital, second time around for your DNC, um, on a stretcher being taken into the operation theater and so far you've held it together so far you're fine you you're you know calm and collected um but a nurse said something to you yeah what what was that moment what happened there so there were there were two things before we went before she the nurses rolled me into the operating room one gave me a prayer card and she said I'm praying for you mm -hmm. I just thought that was so sweet mm -hmm. just you do this every day mm -hmm. but I just felt like my baby mattered mm -hmm. at, at that moment mm -hmm. and then while we were you know going back into the operating room or the procedure room um the other nurse kind of stopped the stretcher and she said it's okay and I was just thinking you know here's someone else saying it's okay and then she repeated herself and she said it's okay to cry and I just <sighs> finally let myself cry and you know I've done it at home I did it with my husband but I removed myself so much from that situation while we were there because I didn't want to be in the the preparation room you know upset right. not being able to answer questions I mean they have to prepare for surgery so they come in they ask you all the questions how far along you know what's going on what are your symptoms all of these things so you're just kind of in a operation mode this is what's going to happen it's so it feels so routine this is what's going on and so for her to just give me that moment and I I let go and then they let me compose myself, take a breather. And then I looked at them. I said, I'm ready. And then we just rolled in. And um, it was my doctor doing the procedure. We had just a little bit of a conversation beforehand. And she's like, okay, I'm going to put you to sleep now. Mm -hmm. You're going to wake up and, it, you know, I'm going to be here. And so that's what happened. I went to sleep and I woke up and... Um, you know, something I had asked, well, the first thing I had asked was, you know, is my uterus okay? Like, that's my first mm -hmm. thought when I woke up because 
you know, you hear of too much scraping or you hear of right hemorrhaging can happen with um, a DNC as well. And uh, with our, our testing that had gone on with the second miscarriage, we, we found out we had the protein S deficiency. So we, um, we had just so much going on that I just... I thought about my uterus, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's okay. it's the most logical thing. I mean, of course yeah. you wanted yeah. to know. I I I hear it. I mean, I hear you. I think it's also like, you know, the society pins your existence to being able to procreate as a woman and that leads you to the uterus. Which yeah. means if the uterus not, is not okay, you question, you have this identity crisis, which is unfortunate because it really doesn't define you. Um, right. And so actually, I wanted to take a pause here for a second and ask you about, you know, I came across your post, um, which we will talk about later in the episode, where you were responding to something people were asking you, which is, when are you having a baby? When are you having a baby? You know, and I feel like this is a question that haunts so many women. And it's not just, it's not even that it haunts women who can't have kids, but even women who can have kids and choose to delay it or kid, you know, when women who don't want to have kids, I think yeah. there is just so much judgment that comes with it. And I do truly in my heart believe that people don't have anything better to do with their lives and they make your <laughs> business your business. They do because rude questions. You know, if someone has gained a little bit of weight, are you pregnant? I know. Um, You look really cute today. What's going on? Are you pregnant? You know, there are all these questions. And in my culture, oh, my God, they expect you to pop a baby. I don't know I if know. they understand biology. They, they expect you to <laughs> pop a baby three months after you're married. So I, I know yeah. that you had an experience before your DNC appointment yeah. where you work. Um, tell me about that. Yeah, so we had um, the, the second pregnancy you know we were told it, that it wasn't viable so I had already started the process with the pills that I had mentioned earlier and for two weeks I had you know period like bleeding but it wasn't complete and mm -hmm. so I was still I had to go to work <laughs> um I can't just take off two weeks so I I went to work and um while I'm technically miscarrying and I had a a coworker who was across the hall from me um, come in and she was like, ah, are you pregnant? Oh my God. And I was just like, mm, no, <laughs> uh, I didn't know how to answer. I was like, do I say yes, but it's not viable. But then I was like, no, you know, thinking about her feelings. Do I say, I don't want to embarrass her, you know, or do I say you know, no, I'm not. Just so many thoughts went through my head. And uh, it's just like, technically, yes, but no. Um, so I just said, no, I'm not. She said, oh, my gosh, you're just, you're glowing. And I was like, okay, well, no, I'm not. And then I just go into my office and I cry, you know, because I, maybe I am glowing because maybe the hormones are still inside my body because it's mm. still holding on to the pregnancy. It's just, uh, I don't know. It's, it's Michelle, something that what, I wish you didn't. 
what advice do you have if she's listening? Don't ask women if they're pregnant ever. <laughs> Aim into that. As, you know, just don't ask. Basic Until bedside manners. Unless you see them, you know, they posted it or they are talking about it. Don't don't ask. Don't ask. Don't assume. Mm-hmm. Don't poke your nose in other people's business. In their, I, in their belly. <laughs> I can go on and on. I have so many feelings right now. Uh, <laughs> so, Michelle, you know, clearly something was something was amiss, right? It was definitely not you. You were not broken. Did you ever get a diagnosis for what might be happening? What might have yeah. been happening? So, our biggest lead or what we believe is my protein S deficiency, which we had no idea. First off was a thing. We had no idea that I had it. It's a blood clotting disorder. Um, and come to find out clotting disorders can be, you know, very common mm-hmm. in women and can lead to miscarriage. Um, if you don't know you have one mm-hmm. and even if you know you have one, you can still treat it, but you know, that's, there's still that worry behind it. You're monitored very closely. So I was told I have the protein S deficiency and, um, the next pregnancy, the next time we get a positive, we would start Lovenox injections, which was blood thinners to allow enough blood flow through the placenta, through the umbilical cord to the fetus, the baby. Okay. I've never heard of that. I've never heard of a protein S Deficiency, that's new information for me. Yeah, the protein S, um, you know, I I didn't really, like I said, I didn't know about it either. I know of other clotting disorders. Mm -hmm. That one was new to me too. So when we found that out, I was just like, okay, well, I had no idea that existed. Yeah. Um, But I'm so grateful that we found out something. Michelle, but, you know, after your second miscarriage, again, that was another traumatic experience. You went the DNC route. You found out you had a protein S deficiency. Mentally, where were you in terms of getting pregnant again? After the second one, right? Uh, our doctor said, again, you know, I want you to wait a couple months. And I told her, no, we're not even thinking about that anymore. Like, it's... I, I can't, I cannot go through this again because in my mind, I thought we're just going to go through this again, you know, mm-hmm. even though we have somewhat of a diagnosis, I did not feel prepared, ready, emotionally, physically. I was exhausted. I couldn't do it again. So we did wait a couple months and then, um, we started trying a while after and, um, we got a positive test and I thought, okay, here, here we go. Like it's going to happen. I called my doctor, let her know it's positive. And it was over again over the weekend. She said, come in on Monday and we'll start everything. Um, we'll take blood work first. And then as soon as it's confirmed, you'll start injections. And every day I would take a pregnancy test. And a couple of days later, it was gone. It was negative. Hmm. And I thought, what? Like, this is so weird. Like, I took a bunch of tests that had positive on there. Like, and I didn't, when I first got my positive, I just wasn't, you know, like celebrating or I didn't go run and show my husband. I was very just like reserved about it, you know, because I, I now felt so 
cold over the situation. Mm -hmm. Don't expect anything from this. And I think that's just my defense mechanism. And in a way for these chemical pregnancies that happened, it, it worked for me. Mm -hmm. I, I still, you know, was sad and I grieved those chemical pregnancies, but I, I was just preparing my mind mentally for, Mm -hmm. for what's to come. And so we had three chemical pregnancies, alternating months. So one month, I had a chemical and then the next month it was just a negative test. And then the next month it was a chemical and then the next month it was a negative test. Mm -hmm. So that went on for about six months. And I decided, yeah, I decided, you know what? Something's going on because I'm getting some positives and some negatives. Like my body, something is up with my body. We know I have the clotting disorder. We know we're going to start injections as soon as I get a positive. I think it's too late. I think we are waiting too late to start these injections. I think my body needs it before. And so I did my research and I found similar stories of women in my groups with the protein S deficiency who had several miscarriages and their doctors had them waiting to start a positive, to start their injections when they have Mm. a positive and it wasn't working. And so their successful pregnancy started when they started the injections early. Mm-hmm. and the, like after ovulation and I I knew that's what I needed to do and that's why you started your injection sooner yes okay. so we went to yeah we went to a fertility clinic um because we had been trying for six months plus the two miscarriages so it's been a total of like a year and a half almost two years of trying mm-hmm. with uh being unsuccessful with like with a successful pregnancy we were successful in in pregnancy getting pregnant but not staying pregnant so we were able to go to a clinic um and that's where they did additional sonograms they said everything looked great but um they didn't know why it wasn't working for us and so I said because I want to start the injections right after ovulation Mm -hmm. and my doctor, um, this is an, a, you know, an, a new doctor that you go to for fertility treatment and then they transfer you back to your OB. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a little hesitant, not because he didn't want to start me on injections, but he knew they're very painful. It's an emotional and physical toll on your body. And he told me, you know, if you do these injections and the test comes out negative, you're going to be going through a lot of pain, you know, for nothing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's peace of mind because I can't do this again. It would be more painful for me to be pregnant again. And for only to, to find out. Yeah. I, I hear to you. Be same, you know, and my husband, <laughs> he's very, very similar to the doctor, just very science. And he was like, well, you know, if that's what he feels like is, is best. And I kind of cut him off a little bit in, in a nice way possible. And I said, but it's my body. And I think that this is what we need to do. Mm-hmm. If you write me a prescription, I'm okay with starting the injections now. Mm-hmm. And he said, okay, let's, let's do it. Let's try it for a couple months. And so in the sonogram, they actually saw that my egg was mature enough to give a trigger shot to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was crazy how the timing of the appointments just, it lined up exactly when I was ovulating they gave me two dates to choose from. I chose this date for whatever reason. Um, 
maybe through prayer. I don't know. I chose the state and it just lined up perfectly. And they gave me the injection. They told us, you know, go have fun this weekend. (laughs) Don't think about anything. And I was like, okay, yeah, don't think about anything. (laughs) Um, And start the injections um, on, you know, I think it was right before our, our, I ovulated. And so um, that's what we did. And it worked for us. And when you say it worked, what does that mean? We became pregnant with my now son, Wells. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. so you got pregnant. And then, of course, you went for another sonogram. Yes. So tell yes, me about so- what was different this time. So this time we go in... Um, you know, we have the positive test and even though I felt, you know, all these feelings, I of course felt still that you're going to go in and I try really hard not to be negative or anything like that, but I was very realistic about it. You know, don't get your hopes up. You're going to go in and they could say it's great or they could say it's just not going to work out. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, 99% sure at the time that it was just going to be bad news. I just kind of felt it. Um, and of course from bad experience, like that's just what happens. Um, and I kept hearing a voice though in my head, you know, your baby is strong. Your baby is strong. Your baby is okay. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was just a way to release me from guilt if something were to happen or release like I don't have control over Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. I cannot control whether or not this is a viable pregnancy I can only do so much and so we go into the sonogram and my husband's the one looking at the screen and the doctor um the sonographer he's looking at the screen and I'm just refusing to look and it's just quiet Mm -hmm. and I think here we go again like like, when is this going to be good news? And then um, I hear, well, and then I'm looking at my husband and he doesn't really know what he's looking at either. Yeah. And then I am saying, there's a baby. And I just like, oh, I, I took a breath. But I, I'm serious when I tell you that breath lasted one second. Because then my second thought was, okay, yeah, there's a baby, but is there a heartbeat? Like, that's uh-huh. what we and so I asked him I was just like is there a heartbeat and he was a little bit quiet looking around and he's like yep there's a heartbeat and I was like oh my gosh we have a baby and we have a heartbeat like those you need both things you know it's just oh it was such a relief and the anxiety didn't stop there obviously but it was just a small moment of just finally like yeah just breathe for a second and then I let myself just have that moment of excitement I I was never able to record you know a living heartbeat and so they let us record him and I I have you know a picture of him as my egg follicle oh <laughs> and my I have gosh. video at six <laughs> weeks with a little heartbeat going and it was strong and it was awesome and what so, did you feel when you heard the heartbeat for the first time? So for the first time, we weren't able to hear the heartbeat just because 
um, our offices choose to do like just see the heartbeat. Um, they don't want to okay. expose the additional things. And I was like, okay. that's, that's fine by me. But just seeing the heartbeat, you know, you just, you can almost feel it. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. My gosh, that yeah. must have been something. It was a really good moment. Right. So following this sonogram appointment, you know, of course, this was a healthy pregnancy. It was viable. You know, everything was looking good. But I'm pretty sure having experienced two separate miscarriages, you still were holding on to something, you know, there, you know, you know, the fear of what if, yeah. right? So what were some of those things that you were worried about? Um, first and foremost, I was worried about, obviously, you know, losing the baby. Mm -hmm. I was worried about, I hated going to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And which, unfortunately, when you're pregnant, you do that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so every time. I'm not even joking. Every time I went to the bathroom, I prayed. And um, there was one time where I went and I had some spotting and I was just, I, it just was devastating. And I called my doctor and I said, you know, I'm spotting. I don't know what's going on. We need to know if it's happening again. I mean, it, this was early on. And so we went into the sonogram and I'm just praying and praying and praying and praying and what happened was I just had some, some bleeding in the uterus. I had um, just a collection of blood next to the sac. Mm -hmm. And so that was what was coming out. Um, luckily, mm -hmm. uh, but we were able to confirm that that was okay. But though that was just an awful experience if, for anyone to go while they're pregnant and spotting is awful. Right, but right. For some experienced loss, you just think it's just going to happen again mm -hmm. and so that was really hard and so the whole pregnancy was just full of anxiety that we would lose him full of every sonogram the first couple minutes before they showed the heartbeat like right when they um you know either if it was trans transvaginal if they went inside or when they did the you know the uh, abdomen abdominal sonogram like every time mm -hmm. it was just holding your breath until they say he's okay you're just like okay <laughs> you feel yeah, a little bit yeah. of relief but you know my doctor was very realistic with us which I I really appreciated um in an in a very warm way she wasn't cold about it but she did let us know you know we are not out of the woods until that baby is in your arms mm -hmm. so we knew with my clotting disorder that there's a possibility of a clot developing in the umbilical cord um we checked on that every other week. We had a sonogram and they checked to make sure the blood flow was going okay and that he was measuring okay. Mm -hmm. Because as, as we saw that the flow was not, we needed to change something. Um, so a part of me felt peace that we were getting checked on so much. Yeah. But another part of me didn't feel peace because we were being checked so much. You know, we were just, huh. there's a reason why we're getting checked so much because there's a possibility of stillbirth. Mm -hmm. And my doctor let us know that it's a high risk pregnancy and there's a high risk of stillbirth and we need to, we need to monitor and once he's in your arms, then we can breathe, mm -hmm. which is like, you know, your first pregnancy, like, well, technically my third pregnancy, but my first viable 
you pregnancy. know, full pregnancy yeah. the whole time. That's just in the back of my head. You know, if he's not kicking at night or something, is he okay? Is he alive? You know, they tell you to monitor at a certain stage. Is he kicking 10 times an hour? And I would just be so worried if he wasn't. And mm-hmm. it was just, it's it a lot hard. of pressure. I mean, even to monitor if a baby is kicking 10 times an hour. I mean, for women who are working or not working. I mean, it's exhausting. Yeah. 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 So then what did you guys um, end up deciding in terms of the birth plan? Because this was a high risk pregnancy. So um, for my pregnancy and based off of what has happened in the past, my doctor um, wanted to induce us in between 38 and 39 weeks. Um, Because in our particular case with clotting disorders, um, the closer you get to 40 weeks, the higher risk we have of stillbirth. Mm -hmm. And that has to do with like the placenta, you know, at 38, 39 weeks, it's, it's strong. It's um, again, I can't speak for everyone, but with the clotting disorder, that's when it's at its healthiest um, versus that 40 weeks. So we, you know, went along with our doctor. We said, that's absolutely fine. We'll be induced um, between 38, 39 weeks. And so that's what we did. We went for induction and we planned on hopefully delivering vaginally. um, But we knew that it was probably a 90% chance that it it was not going to happen. And my doctor told us, you know, she said, I'm fairly confident that it's not going to be a vaginal birth but I'm giving you the option to choose either one. And so I, I chose to at least to try. Right. And I told myself I would have peace if it did not go that way. Cause it did to me at that point, just get him out healthy and alive. Mm-hmm. So you tried the normal delivery. It didn't really go as planned. And so you had to go in for a emergency C-section. Um, yes. So- Mm-hmm. And how was that? So after it was 22 hours of laboring, and, gosh. and you know, the water breaking or, you know, them breaking my water, giving me the Pitocin, all of that stuff, um, his heart rate just jumped. Um, I mean, it was at 200. We knew he was facing upwards. I believe that's because I... I want to say you're supposed to be facing down. The baby is um, obviously um, facing down, but also like his face is actually facing down. Does that make sense? Like yeah, head yeah. Down. yeah. So he was head down, but he was facing up, mm-hmm. uh, and that is not the ideal position for labor. Um, and so he was he was just stuck. He was stuck in my pelvis. This was something that my doctor, you know, warned us about, saying he, I. I think we're going to have a tough delivery because he he's still facing upwards. He may have issues being stuck. So that's exactly what happened. Um, his heart rate jumped to 200. She came in the room. She said, he's at 200. I need to get him out now. We're going to prepare for C-section. Um, you know, pretty much get ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was just like, mm-hmm. okay, I knew this was a possibility. I had already prepared myself mentally, but for someone to say like, we're going in right now. Yeah. Uh, I I was so scared. And Michelle, I know that, you know, eventually your C-section happened and then uh, Wells was born a healthy boy. But I know that your delivery was very traumatic for for many reasons. One of the reasons being that, you know, you hemorrhaged right after. 
So tell me what went wrong and how you were feeling. Uh, what did the doctors do to help the situation and all that? Yeah, so after delivery, um, you know, they take you back to your to the what would have been the delivery room. And they do just a couple of routine things and that's what they were doing on me. They were pushing on your belly, you know, making sure um blood and some clots the remaining stuff of labor was coming out mm-hmm. and um the first couple pushes of course you know they don't feel great they i mean they hurt yeah <laughs> your your belly went from being super full to all of a sudden not having anything and they're pushing on it it feels weird and i felt you know some blood coming out and i thought okay this is normal and then um she pushed again probably the third or fourth time and i just felt like gushes each push mm-hmm. i could feel just like more and more um very similar to you know miscarriage but mm-hmm. a little a little different because i it was like i i don't even know how to explain it it was just like water falling just coming out there was no no stopping at every push it was just so much and I'm I feel like through this all these experiences the way I know what's going on is by reading their faces. Mm-hmm. And I just saw it in her face and she said um I need to go call your doctor. I was like, oh, "Okay, what?" And I looked at Arthur and we're just like, "What's going on?" And I told him I said, "I I'm bleeding. Like I I feel it. I'm bleeding a lot." And we knew that hemorrhaging was a possibility because before we went into labor at our last appointment my doctor said you know you've been on on these thinners we're going to monitor you as much as possible but i need you to sign this waiver saying that if i need to i'm going to take your uterus out essentially it's to save your life if i have to choose oh between gosh. you and your uterus i'm picking you Mm-hmm. And of course I signed and, and when you do it, you think, well, of course that's a it's risk. It's never going to happen. Yeah. No, it, it's going to happen. And I'm just like, by now you should know, <laughs> you know, it's just, oh my goodness. So yeah, uh, we signed it or I signed it. And that didn't even really cross my mind when we were going through labor and stuff, because I was just more concerned about the stillbirth and making sure he was okay. And so for me to start feeling the bleeding, I just, I just started praying and oh I was just, you know, at the end of the day, if, if that's what would have had to happen, that's what has to happen. But I was worried that I would go in and I wouldn't come back out, um, you know, and it's just, I could see them, you know, nurses talking to each other and I could hear certain things, um, I could hear them. Do we need to go back in? Do we need to prep the OR? Like, I could hear all these things. Um, mm-hmm. And that wasn't helping. I could hear them talking about like trauma and like unit and all this stuff. And I was just like, okay, I I'm starting to feel really weak. Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel good. Um, and I, you know, I kept it together, but I I wish I would have said, I I don't feel good. You know, I'm. I'm starting to see three people when you're you're one person. I can't see straight. I wish I would have said I'm about to pass out. Like I was just so quiet and I would close my eyes and I would just feel me drifting off. Yeah. And you know, my mom actually she hemorrhaged with my 
youngest sister. And I remember something she told me. She said when she was in the operating room and they were, you know, sewing her back up and trying to fix the hemorrhaging, she told herself, don't pass out because she thought she would not wake up. Mm -hmm. I told myself the same thing. I said, do not pass out. Don't go to sleep. So I'm like, I forced myself. I've never been in like that physical pain as far as just like you wanting to go to sleep. Yeah. But I didn't let myself, my eyes hurt so bad. And I just Mm -hmm. tried so hard to focus or talk to someone. Or I was just looking at Arthur holding Wells and it was just really hard. I, I never understood what it meant to like fight for your life. Yeah. And I really, at that moment, was just fighting. No, it's definitely something. It's not, you know, you've really, you've really been through a lot. And I actually didn't ask you the most important question, which is um, once Wells was born and you heard him cry, meeting him, and Mm -hmm. what was that like for you? (laughs) It's crazy. When he was born, I we didn't hear, you know, a cry right away. So you're just holding your breath because we knew so much was going on. Mm-hmm. You know, we knew the possibility of stillbirth. And so I was just thinking, is he alive? Is he alive? Like, that's all I could think about was, is he alive? And then you just hear like a scream, a screech of a cry. And my husband and I just like turned and looked at each other like so fast. And we were just like... Oh, he's here. And the doctor just, you know, he brought him over and I'm not able to hold him right away, unfortunately, because I'm on the table Mm -hmm. and they have to do all of the the testing. And especially with his heart rate being so high, they had to make sure he's okay right away. But I remember my first thought, and I know everyone probably thinks this about their child, but I just thought he was so beautiful. Like he was just so perfect. He was here. And they brought him over after they were done and put him against my cheek. And I've never felt such a soft cheek. (laughs) And I'll never forget that. It was just so warm and soft. And it was awesome. And he just stared at me. And he probably couldn't see me. (laughs) And he looks looks so much like you. Oh, thank you. My gosh. I mean, I looked at his photograph and I literally, I said, I said, the day I meet him, I'm going to tell him how much mom went through. Oh, yes. And I hope he listens to this episode someday. Oh, and, that would thinks, be nice. and thinks about what a brat he was. <laughs> even when he was in there. I know. Yeah. I mean. The first day he talks back to me, I'll play this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> play it and tell him, okay, it's time out. Yeah. Wow. I mean. I salute your decision to keep wanting to try that you just did not. I, you know, like I'm 29. I have absolutely bloody no clue if this is for me and never thought about even growing up. Like I would hear my friends say, you know, when we grow up and we have kids, I'm like, you are a kid. Like, how do you know you'll have kids? I mean, I just never understood the whole this is something you're supposed to do. And so I don't think mentally I'm there to even imagine 
But in my mind, I'm like, well, if you were going through so much, what kept you going? And I just have so much admiration for how much you've been through and how much, you know, this uncommon display of resilience. And, you know, so really, thank you for sharing your um, experience. And I think the one thing I've been meaning to ask you is, you know, looking back, considering that you not only had those two traumatic experiences where you miscarried, but also Wells's birth was not the easiest thing for you and on your body. Do you think you'll ever do this again? I don't know. Yeah. Um, there's days where, you know, I think it's hard because I grew up with two other siblings. Mm-hmm. And when I think of a home for us, I used to see more children. Um, Hmm. and now I don't know. Hmm. I don't know if we'll either have another child, you know, me physically, or if we choose that we do want more children and if adoption may be what Hmm. we choose. Um, I'm not sure yet. And we've talked about both options. I know right now, um, I, I can't imagine going through any of that again. Yeah, of course. On top of also having um, a baby, you know, a, a baby, yeah. a fifteen-month-old, so he'd be, you know, toddler age. I don't know, but also just putting my husband through mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that that hospital Absolutely. experience that we went through. Absolutely. He he saw me dying, mm-hmm. and that still hasn't left him yet. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, I was the one going through it physically and and whatnot but there's parts I don't even remember I was so out of it mm-hmm. and he was the one that was holding our baby watching everything yeah. and it's just no it's definitely not yeah my understanding so, yeah that's something that we haven't and I don't know if we ever will be ready if it's something that just maybe might happen and we'll have to prepare when it does or the hard part, though, with that is that with my clotting disorder, I mean, the the chance of another miscarriage is just so high. So mm-hmm. just preparing mentally that that might happen again. I just I don't know if we're ready. Yeah. I mean, hey, you're the one who's lived through this and you're the only yeah. one who gets to decide. Yeah. So, yeah, this is basically a coded um <laughs> message to everyone <laughs> don't even think about asking that question and I know that you've dealt with people asking you right away after such a traumatic birth if you're going to have another kid and I think it's yeah. ridiculous and again this podcast is uh, a little coded invitation <laughs> to stop that um, but Michelle before we wrap up what advice do you have for mothers who've recently experienced a miscarriage? What can they do to recover from their loss and find strength to try again if that's something they want? Yeah, um, there's a couple things. Um, I would say first, that pain doesn't go away. So let yourself feel it. Even when you have another baby, you still feel it. Um, I want to say advocate for yourself. If you feel like something's wrong, say something. If you feel something in your gut Mm -hmm. that you, 
you need to let the doctor know, go with your gut. Um, I personally, something going through our journey is so lonely. Mm. Um, of course you have your partner, but it's lonely together. You know, this actually, we were close before, but it brought us even closer because we didn't know anyone else going through it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I eventually through sharing, um, learned, you know, one or two friends or I say friends, acquaintances that had gone through it and we connected through sharing our stories. So that was not that it's nice to know that other people had gone through it because you don't want anyone to go through it, but it's also nice to know Mm -hmm. that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Um, so we, we switched our focus on, um, just thinking about fertility and, you know, getting pregnant. We focused on spending time together and I found things to do, you know, podcasts, going on walks, stuff that just really helped me find joy Mm -hmm. other than just pregnancy. Um, I found things each month instead of focusing on um, a pregnancy test each month. Right. I still took one. But I focused on something that I would look forward to also each mm-hmm. month. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say my biggest takeaway is if this, if this is something that's really hard on you, is signing into social media and seeing pregnancy posts, seeing, you know, baby showers, take a break from social media. Yeah, I had to do it. And it was just so nice. (laughs) I didn't have to see these, you know, pregnancy announcements. And you just sit there and think, when is it my turn? And I know this is what women think. I've seen them post it. I've seen them post other people's announcements and say, you know, when is it going to be us? And if that's something you log into and you see it and it ruins your day or Mm -hmm. it takes over your mood, you know, you don't have to necessarily unfollow those people, but you can silence them on your profile yeah you can, you can mute them yeah. and this is not and to this is not to rain on someone else's parade but this is more to protect no. the peace of your own mind absolutely because it it is so toxic mentally and you need to really take care of yourself mm-hmm. so those are those are your my biggest takeaways, takeaways. Yeah. and you know lastly um i just want the women out there to know you know your baby mattered. Even if you chose not to share with anybody, if you didn't do a pregnancy announcement or you didn't tell your family and you're just keeping this to yourself because it's just that painful, know that your baby mattered. Mm -hmm. You loved your baby. It's just, they were someone in this world and they were loved. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And don't let anyone, don't, don't get too caught up in the whole clinical jargon that is used at the doctor's clinic, because that doesn't mean anything. Um, Michelle, I am so grateful to you for taking the time to be here. Thank you for being so open and honest about your experience. Um, Where can our listeners find you? Um, you can follow me on Instagram. You can find me there. Uh, my handle is Mitch underscore Crastons, which is M-I-C-H underscore K-R-A-S-T-I-N-S. 
Yes, thank you. And I will be um, sharing a link to Michelle's profile in the episode description. Um, and that is a wrap. But stick around because there are so many stories waiting to be heard. Stories that'll um, give you a new perspective. Stories that'll make your heart melt and glow. And stories that'll fill your eyes with wonder. So don't go anywhere. Um, and I'll see you again very soon. Till then, chin up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello there.